0: Welcome to League One Fun, presented by the Beautiful Game Network and brought to you by Roughneck Scarves. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. Jason is once again gallivanting around the world in Asia this time, but luckily with me, the man of the hour, it is River City 93's voice. He's the voice of reason for the Richmond Kickers. It's Elliot Barr. <laughs> Elliot, how's it going?
1: It's going good, man. It's been a long time since I've done a podcast episode. I think exactly a month, so it's good to, you know, get back into the stream of things with the good news the kickers have been doing.
0: Yeah. So, and and not only that, but there's been some other soccer in your life too. You were uh, coaching middle school soccer. I heard. Is that right?
1: Yes, I was. Um, for my local middle school, um, Thompson Middle, I was the assistant coach, but I was I was also um. The defensive coach for the team, so I was teaching like the center backs and the full backs and the goalkeepers. Um, nice. So we took and how, a team... how
0: how'd they do this year?
1: Uh we actually did pretty well. Uh, we lost our first two games because we only had nine players, and then once Ooh. we got a full squad, we um we went undefeated. We had three clean sheets in a row, and we lost to pretty much a team that's like a powerhouse in middle school soccer. And we lost to them uh four three and he scored on a thirty yard free kick.
0: And that was in the semifinals, you said, right? Yeah of the, it was of in the tournament. Semifinals. Wow. Well that's yeah. uh well that's still an accomplishment. So the boys should be proud of themselves. It's a the boys team, right? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's team.
1: kind of like co ed team, but we have mostly boys on
0: the team. Okay, gotcha. Well, that's great. Well, before we get to all the kickers news, uh, let's go a little bit around the league. A couple other things going on. So firstly, Forward Madison, always doing stuff, always out there in the media. Uh, So besides putting their season ticket holders name on scarves that they're getting as a gift, Forward Madison re-signed a core of four veteran players, including the 30 and over group of J.C. Banks, Attackers Paulo Junior and Don Smart, and also the youngest in the group, the 26-year-old Brian Silvestre, the uh, their goalkeeper. Um, so, you know, any any thoughts about uh, about these signings and the fact that they were kind of this core veteran group that forward Madison brought back, Elliot?
1: Oh, I think it's really important of the players that they brought back. I think it's, I mean, of course, year one you kind of just throw hope into the wind of pretty much hoping that these guys work. And these guys pretty much work for Ford. Uh, I think you said one of the names with Don Smart and uh, Banks, right?
0: Uh, Don Smart, Paolo Jr., and uh, J.C. Banks, right?
1: Uh, yeah. So, I mean, all three of those players were key players for Ford Madison. Definitely in that playoff push. Um, so, I mean, those are going to be core pieces for them, hopefully building into into next year where they try to make that next step to getting to the championship game or, or hosting a playoff game. So, it's important for them.
0: You know, one of the names not included in here that I was a little bit surprised when I saw who it was is Eric Leonard because he was one of the linchpins in for uh, for the way forward played right, getting the ball outside to Paolo Jr. and Don Smart on the wings and making sure he was really that midfield destroyer too that guarded the back line and um, so it'll be interesting to see if if he comes back or if he ends up maybe getting going on trial with uh, with Minnesota United because of course forward in Minnesota have had a pretty close relationship so far. Um, so one other one other little piece of news here. David Rodriguez. So David Rodriguez. He is Arturo Rodriguez's younger brother. 16 years old. Played for North Texas SC a number of times. Uh, I think about half the games of the season. He's actually going to Byron Munich to train with uh, the Byron Academy. So exciting news for him. There's a few other North Texas players who are going over. Excuse me, not North Texas players, but uh, but FC Dallas Academy players who are going over as well. Um, so you know interesting relationship there i i hope more uh, more teams even independent teams wind up with uh, situations like that like even if they're not with you know a, a one bundesliga side but maybe even like a epl championship side or something that would be uh that would be good for the younger kids to have some exposure over there
1: yeah i agree i mean definitely for actually guys i know they had the partnership with Bayern munich but the fact that Bayern munich kind of looked at his kid and was like well He's doing it with a group of adults. He's proven to be one of the good core young players for um, North Texas. Let's see what he has. And whoever knows, like maybe, maybe League One, there's other teams in the Bundesliga or, or like World Rod in Europe that starts looking at other League One teams like Richmond or uh, Forward or Omaha for instance and be like, all right, maybe we can make a partnership with these teams and, if their players perform well, you know we'll look at bringing those other players in for our camp, and I mean it does nothing more but raises the players' profile.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great player. point. Yeah. So a couple of end of season awards. So Defender of the Year went to Connor Antley from South Georgia Tormenta. Um, you know, I, I think well-deserved. I mean, Connor was certainly one of the two best, I think, right backs, uh, in the league, particularly on the attacking side of the ball. Uh, the other one would have been Nick Moon and, uh, Lansing Ignite. Uh, you know, any, anyone else who, you, you know, were you surprised about this pick or was it kind of a foregone conclusion uh, Connor was going to get it?
1: I'm kind of ill because I, I mean, since this is such a new award for this league, you don't know if it's, uh, if the voting of it is based off of a team award or like an individual award. So if it's individual award, I totally agree that it should be Connor Anthony. But if it's more looked at as like a team award and how the whole defense did who's the best player on that defense, then you can kind of argue like, all right, maybe it goes more to Nick Moon because um, I know South Georgia kind of tail feeling tail off <laughs> near the end of the year. Yeah, I don't know why I can always mess up that word.
0: Talesman, yeah. Uh, Sometimes <laughs>
1: kind of fill out at the end of the year. So, I mean, Nick Moon or Canada Ali, everyone knows I have a secret crush on so Nick, Nick Moon. Like, <laughs> I I want him to come to Richmond, um, <laughs> but I, I I have no problem with it going either way.
0: Yeah, sure. And then uh, Dallas J, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Greenville Triumph was the lowest, had the lowest goals against them in, in the entire league, uh, tied for the most clean sheets. So, yeah, you know, Dallas J had a great defense in front of them, but, you know, still got goalkeeper of the year, even though I'm pretty sure Jason would have said Mangles um, at Chattanooga. But, you know, you know, Dallas J, fine choice for, for for that particular award. I think Akira was up for that, too, was he not? Akira from was. And this is the
1: thing that, like, when we talk about goalkeeper, a lot of people forget about Akira because of the year that Richmond had. But if you look at Akira's stats alone, he was one of the top keepers in saves and uh, clearances. He stood on his head for multiple games. I
0: think he was, like, second or third in just about all those stats, right?
1: Exactly. And if it wasn't for, I want to say, that seven-game stretch, Akira's right in the midst of it. You know he's right in the midst of it. I mean, honestly, if it was not for Akira, I honestly think that our goal our defense would have been a lot worse than what it was.
0: Yeah. Well, his leadership back there helps a lot too, right? Like he just oh, yeah. knows how to organize the defense a, a little bit, and you saw that in August and, and September when you guys actually were playing pretty well. Um, if were. you didn't have June, you guys would have been uh, would have been in the hunt. So uh, yeah. let's see. So. <laughs> The same person. Two other awards: the Young Player of the Year and the League MVP went to the same person. You know, we we would have been riding right now. We would have been down in Tampa, knocking on the door, having a sit-in or something. But Arturo Rodriguez wins League MVP as well as Young Player of the Year. Not a not a surprise at all, right, Elliot? I mean,
1: is is that a surprise? I mean, you can pick what Ronaldo. Um, Ronaldo Damas from North Texas as well. Like he could have been another pick, but it had to go to Archer. I mean, when you score the game winner in a championship game and you lead the league in assists, it's pretty much going to you. Like there's no other way around <laughs> it. And I'll right. be shocked if he's even playing in League One next year. Like I, I know um, FC Dallas called up I think two players throughout the year from North Texas to play first team minutes. I'm not. Yep. I would not be surprised if he's playing first team minutes next year.
0: Yeah, I would not be surprised either. I mean, there were definitely hints around the club uh, when I was there for the finals that, you know, Arturo was likely to um, to get a look whether or not he'll get a homegrown contract or, um, or or just a regular MLS contract, I think, is is kind of maybe part of the negotiations. Maybe they want to see him in preseason first. Um, you know, the, the challenge that Arturo has is there's so many good young midfielders in um, in the North Texas system and or in the FC Dallas system. I should say, that's kind of hard. I mean, it's guys like Paxton Pomical, right? Who he's yeah. a you know a U twenty national team player and a very high prospect. Played really well this year. You know, is is probably not going to unseat him, but um, but maybe he could be a bench player and come off the bench and, and play in in Open Cup matches and stuff like Ricardo Pepe did this year, right? So yeah.
1: yes, um, exactly. All thing I'm yeah. going to say is this: if you called Ricardo Pepe after with the first sixteen or so games of League One after he scored nine goals.
0: I think it was less than that, even. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. You can call up Arturo and be like, "Look, you're not gonna play every game. You're gonna play against if we got back-to-backs or those long road weekend games. You're gonna play in those matches. You're gonna start the cup games, and occasionally when you know there stretches of time you're not gonna play, you'll occasionally go back down to North Texas. Yeah. Call this kid up and sign him, because I'm telling you, it will not surprise me in the next." Next ten years we're hearing about this hearing about him over in Europe lighting it up like the kid is that good, he's good. <laughs>
0: Well, it'll be it'll be nice to see. And I agree with you. I think that that's probably the way that they should do it. And and that's one of the reasons to have a second team like North Texas, right, is to have players yeah. who can go in between. And, and, you know, you had guys like uh, like like Jacob Schaffelberg at, at TFC, too, who went went up and played a lot of first team minutes and Jacob Endo as well. Right. So he was another guy there. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, For sure. So also voting, the the league still has voting for Save of the Year and Goal of the Year as of this recording. Um, So go out and do that as well. But when we come back, we'll be talking about all the news around the Richmond Kickers with our friend from River City 93, Elliot Barr. Stay with us.
1: Registration is now open for the 2020 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Baltimore. Make your plans to join us January 15th through the 19th for five days of coaching education, networking, meal and social functions, award presentations and more. Register before December 11th to secure the best rate. Visit UnitedSoccerCoachesConvention.org to learn more. The United Soccer Coaches Convention, your event for all things coaching.
0: Welcome back to League One Fun with me is Elliot Barr from River City Ninety Three, that other great, beautiful game network podcast about the Richmond Kickers. So, Elliot, two huge items of note that dropped in the oh. last week for Richmond: you have a new coach, and you guys resigned another, uh, resigned a dozen players. Where do you want to go first, Elliot? You want to go to the coach? Or you want to go to the players?
1: Let's start with the players because this was probably. This probably eased a lot of Risky Kickers fans, like, anxiety of where we were last year. So, last so out of year, curiosity,
0: oh. so when I look at these players, Elliot, I, I'm, I'm curious about that. Because yeah. when I look at these players, a lot of these players uh, are obviously were starters from this past year. And, you know, you guys didn't have a great season. So, you know, so why, why does it ease the anxiety of uh, some of the fans? <clears throat>
1: Well, because you brought back key players such as Joey Joey G and Aqua and Akira Fisher. Players that Richmond were kind of talking about that, all right, maybe since Bulo's gone, maybe they leave. Maybe, you know, we lose out on great talent like that. Um, But you bring those players back, and I'm assuming that they are locked in for a whole nother year. So this year and another year, where last year, when we ended the season and we were going down to League One, we had no idea what players we were bringing. Like it literally was not until maybe two months before the season started that we got our first player signing.
0: Yeah, so so, so was, it was actually right before Christmas. Scotty Thompson signed. He was the first signing for the exactly. Kickers in USL League One. Yep. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So now we're like a whole month ahead, and you already locked up twelve players, and all twelve of these guys have produced. They played good minutes for the Kickers. Um, they were important pieces to that stretch that we had. Um, outside of Amaz, who a lot of people, for what I'm hearing in the club, say that if he played, we would have had a better offensive output. So I'm interested to see see how he does. Um, you know, Akwe, I can't say nothing more about him. Like, he probably is the linchpin of our defense.
0: Well, and he, he, he actually made – yeah, team of the year. So, so why don't we do this? Why don't we quickly go through all the all the positions and players since there's there's only a dozen of them. I and mean, basically, yeah, you exactly. could have a you could have a starting lineup with these players as well as one bench player in the midfield, maybe. So, so firstly, yeah. Akira Fitzgerald, you know, veteran, uh, you know, has played a number in a number of different places around uh, U.S. soccer. What um, played for uh, for for uh, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay to, yeah, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay Rowdies prior to coming to the Kickers last season. And, you know, he was good. I mean, there's no doubt about it, right? Yeah, no.
1: He was solid. Like, he's
0: solid. Yeah. So like you said, he was up for, for goalkeeper of the year, um, you know, was his distribution is, was, is very good. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons maybe why he did that. And, and he proved actually, I, I didn't think he was as good of a shot stopper quite frankly, as he proved to be. So, and, and like you mentioned earlier, he, uh, you know, he led, uh, he was up in the top of the, the stats tables for goalkeepers within the league last year. So, you know, not maybe that one's is probably one of the two or three least surprising people on here, uh, defenders. So, so Akwe, like you mentioned, uh, team of the year for USL League One. Um, you know, no surprise, surprise a little bit here.
1: No, I'm not at all. Um, I figured that he would come back for one more year um, just to maybe clean up some defensive stuff that he had. I mean, don't get me wrong. Akwe is great on one on ones, but he can be a little bit aggressive and get an easy yellow card. So I think him coming back for one more year, cleaning up those little things in his games so and maybe next year, Richmond sells them off for a fee.
0: And Ivan Maglehays, um, you know, he, he started a lot of games. Uh, you know, for me, uh, he didn't impress me as much as Yacquay or Shadonsky did. So, uh, you know, uh, what do you think, uh, you know, the, the club and, and maybe the new coach was thinking when uh, he wound up being
1: re-signed? So what I think with him was, I wasn't impressed with him at the beginning of the year because I think a lot of mistakes. I mean, look at the Orlando City game where we had the game drawn 2-2 in – he gets a yellow card, in the I mean he gets a penalty called him in the box. They would lose the game three two. Um, he had a lot of defensive mistakes, but near the end of the year, he showed the ability to play either that left back or that third center back. And we're playing three in the back, so I think he's a good backup center back. I don't think he's a game in game out starter, but he's someone that I think you have back there for a safety valve if Carter needs a rest or Aquino needs a rest, or say if uh, as an emergency fullback off the bench. I think he's a good option for it.
0: Okay, so so he he'll probably be a depth guy. And then Connor Shanaskey, I mean, he you know started, he looked good most of the time, but you know definitely had some defensive gaffes now and again. Um, you know, what's your thoughts on on Connor?
1: Um, I love Connor. I always joke with Connor about his pace, uh, but he's one of the best passing center backs that I've you know I can see in the league, and I think that's a key attribute that you will want if you're a coach. Um, and honestly, between him and Akira, either one of them could be the captain for this upcoming year. It wouldn't shock me if either one was the captain. Sure.
0: And then, uh, uh, you know, a veteran of uh, of... Uh, usl championship as well as the kickers now scotty thompson he uh, uh plays left back he was injured for part of the season one of the things about scott is i think his on-field leadership matters a lot to the team so when you look at your record with him and your record without him it's significantly better with him on the field and um you, you know like when you went on that that four game unbeaten streak and you had a and a, i think it was a six game uh, uh unbeaten streak uh you, you know you he was on the field he uh, but when he was injured back in in you know May June, he uh he, you know, you guys suffered quite a lot. So I think he's he's an interesting uh reget. So any what what's your thoughts on Scott?
1: i I mean everything you say I totally agree with. And also Sky is a big part of the Risky Kick Kicks community. I think the kickers that opposed that too long ago, I think it was him and I think Greg. If I'm not mistaken.
0: Uh, Greg Bowen um, are getting their their C license, their U.S. Yeah, co- U.S. soccer C coaching C, C licenses, right?
1: So when I saw that post, I was kind of like, all right, you're not leaving the team if you're going with the team to go get your C license. So I kind of figured he was going to say, but he is a good left, uh, good fullback option. My thing about Scott is, you know, I think he had a lot of muscle uh, injuries, such as uh, pulled hamstrings or pulled quads. So hopefully he can clean. Hopefully that cleans up for him. He gets healthy. I mean, he's a solid left back back right there. He's not going to go crazy attacking up the field like maybe like Lockerbie, but he's someone that can provide a good cross. That can you know who can shut down a winger when need be.
0: So you mentioned before, as we were kind of introing this segment, was Amas, and I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Is it Kona, maybe? Um, so yeah, I. I didn't see much of him. So, what do you know about him, and and where does he typically play? Is he is he a center midfielder or is he outside? He's listed as a midfielder, but is a, you know is he more of an attacker or is he is he someone who might you know f- go into that number six role that um, that uh, Br- Braden Troyer had played so so well in the, the latter half of the season.
1: Ooh. So Amos actually played the first game of the year for us against Lansing. And he got hurt and. It came to find out, I think it was a torn ATL, um, if my memory serves right. But from what I can remember and talking to people at the club, uh Amos kind of fits into that number 10 role, number eight-ish. But he can also pop out to the wing if need be. So I think he kind of fits into that mode of, you know, being a number ten that could also be great going forward, but he could drop back and kind of hold a good defensive shape if need be.
0: So, so it'll be interesting. Hopefully he is healthy and we can get to see him uh, if, if that's true. Yeah. And uh, so Greg uh, – I always pronounce his name wrong and I, I apologize in advance. But um, but it, it's it's Bomi, right, um, I believe? Yeah, so Bomi. he plays – yeah, so he plays B- – Boehm. Um, so he plays center mid. uh a lot of times, but it's kind of like I'm not sure what formation they're going to end up playing with the new head coach So I wonder where he might fit into kind of a more counterattacking style that maybe uh, Maybe the new coach might want to play
1: Yeah, that's the thing too. It's kind of interesting for what I saw a lot of it he was kind of of uh, I Mean he played in the midfield. He was kind of like a uh, center mid I mean if I'm taking a wild prediction right now, I would not be shocked to see him possibly play a six for us or be like, you know, just to see to him and just kind of be in that Torian mode of just sitting back there and just cleaning up everything. Um, it wouldn't be surprising to me. I mean, yeah. we played, I would say this, the ball moved a lot quicker up the field while he was in the midfield.
0: Okay. So a couple of a uh, couple of other midfielders. So so Matt Baldock, who is you know definitely more of more of an eight, or you know I've seen him play outside too. Like you know there were a lot of players who filled into a lot of different spots, but you know Matt was a pretty good offensive presence at times for you guys over the course of the year.
1: He was the magic man, as we like to call him. He <laughs> led the team with assists. Um, he was great, and the moments that he was in the game with him and Joy G. I'm kind of glad that both of them are back because the connection those two had together was beautiful. Like, it, it worked so perfectly. And now that you have this kind of Coach is coming in with this counter-attacking system, I think he kind of has a, some some set of a high press. Um, It would be great to see, you know, Bodo be able to put that into his game of having that high-pressing system because, I mean, the guy is an engine. Like, he doesn't stop running at all. So. Right.
0: Um, and your right winger, Wape. it's interesting they have him listed as a midfielder because I think of him more as a forward. Like, if I would have put together a 4-3-3 with the players that are listed here, I would put him on the front line along with Joe Gallardo and, and Charles Boateng. So, Wape um, showed, uh, you know, definitely signs of brilliance, right? So, he, uh, he has pace. He's good on the ball. He's not afraid to take people on. You know, if, if anything, he occasionally is a little bit too greedy, but... You know, he um, he definitely definitely f- had a big offensive presence for you guys over the course of the year.
1: He did. He definitely showed it at the end of the year. I think the biggest thing with Hill was just adjusting um, to Richmond and, you know, what was going on. Because a lot of times when we think about players, we always focus on what's going on on the field. And I think it was just him just adjusting to being in Richmond and playing and everything like that. Um, I mean, for, like you said on the field, I mean, he is an attacker, so he's going to be selfish regardless. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. But, I
1: mean, he scored some amazing goals. Um, He provided some good play. There are moments in this game that I think he has to bulk up a little bit, maybe add, you know, five to ten pounds of muscle uh, because there was a lot of time he would be in the midfield and he would get beat off the ball and things like that. So I think if he could bulk up a little bit, that would help him out a lot. But when you bulk up, you don't also want to decrease his speed. You know, so I think if you can find a good balance um, between those two, he'll he'll have a good year next
0: year. So and Riley Craft. So Riley was a mid-year signing former youth national team player uh, for the U.S. He, you know, he played in a number of games. He had fire and spirit. I, I think maybe he needs to channel that a little bit more. Um, but he, uh, but he also is technically very good. I, I think he needed more time to gain chemistry with the team before he was uh, a really an impact player. But you know, what, what do you think about the limited time that you saw Riley in?
1: I was very impressed. Um, I'd be really interested to see what his position the field is going to be. Um, our good friend of our podcast, uh, Nate by Northwest, you can follow him on Twitter at Nate by Northwest. Um, me and here were kind of talking, and he said that he can see Riley Craft. As being a, a center defensive mid. Now, to me, that's a little bit crazy because I, I just see Riley as like he's more slender frame, you know? <laughs> I think, you know, what I want to see the almost. It's to hard to see him
0: ball. as a midfield destroyer, is he? Yeah,
1: I don't, I don't <laughs> see it. I see him more as the creator type, someone that mixes up. I think if you could get a good um, triangle between him, Bodoc, and Gallardo. I think it works beautiful. Um, but, I mean, he's someone that. He made a lot of good late runs into the box. He provided good passes. I do think timing is going to be something essential for him, and I kind of think he's going to have that same – he's going to hit that same wall like Joey G did, where Joey G in the beginning, he started off hot, and then he just hit that wall because he is a young player, you know, and usually young players hit that wall, and you know, they got to figure out. Hopefully he can get past it a little bit quicker than what Joey G did, and I think since Georgie gets past that, you know, it, it's going to help him out.
0: And Charles Boateng, so he's uh, is he, is he on loan again? Because he was on loan from a team in Africa, um, and so I'm guessing I'm guessing that loan got extended, or or at least it it, it you know goes through maybe next summer at least.
1: That's the one I'm not hundred percent sure about. Um, I mean, knowing Richmond. If Richmond was to pay a fee for anything, it might have been they just paid the fee to keep Charles Boateng. I'm not sure. It might have been they just extended the loan for a whole other year. Um, But it's interesting to see a player like him come back. I know a lot of players were high on him. Um, Not a lot of players. A lot of people were high on him and the potential that he has. So it would be interesting to see, especially with this counter-attacking system, how quick he is. You know, I mean, go look at the Chattanooga goal. He scored that off of a counter-attack, so – Having a coach that specializes in counterattacks and that can play in the Charles Boateng's strength is going to be kind of cool to see.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. So he didn't get as much playing time last year as maybe you know I had thought when he was first signed, and and you know Dennis Chin and and a couple of other players wound up getting uh, uh you know Jackson wound up getting more play uh, playing time over Boateng. So it'll be interesting to see if he's on the field more. Uh, Really what he could do if he and if he's going to play centrally or out wide Um, but definitely definitely an attacker and then of course Joe Gallardo the man who scored the goal of the year that won't officially win it Um, and as uh, as the social media for the Richmond kickers noted uh, citizen Kane did not win best picture either. So, um, you know, that happens, I guess. Exactly. So Joey G, uh, you, you know, do, do you think he is going to, you know, be the, 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 same kind of player he was last year, or is, do you think he's going to be able to be more of a Ooh. facilitator rather than, you know, just go at people? Cause, cause if I had any, any qualms with Joey G, his, his individual skill is great. He finds good spaces to receive the ball but he occasionally doesn't look up and and make an obvious pass that he should make um, and and winds up holding the ball a little bit too much.
1: And I can't disagree with that because you're totally right. (laughs) I think the biggest thing for Joey G is what is his best position? Um, Is it a striker? Is it a center forward? Is it an attacking mid? Is it a winger? he can play all four of those positions and he can provide something different at every position. I think it's all about what you ask him to do and, you know, allow him the ability to create within that position. If you're going to ask Joey G to be the provider, to be the creator, then I think his best position is attacking mid where he can still score, but he has to provide a a little bit more. I think if you ask him to be like, hey, we want you to be the guy finishing our chances. We want you to be the guy Applying pressure to the back four, we want you to be the guy, you know, to be the ace of the hole for us. I think it's that center forward, that striker type position that you saw in games against like South Georgia and Tormenta. Um, I think the biggest challenge for Joey G is I want to see more assists this year. I want to see somewhere in the numbers of six to seven nor like six or seven assists would be the minimum that he has this year. I mean, he's capable of scoring ten to twelve goals and having six or seven assists.
0: Yeah, I mean, if he's involved in eighteen goals, you guys are going to be right in that playoff hunt for sure. Um, exactly. If if you have one player who does that, so the, yeah, that's uh, that would be great for his own development, I and mean, it was also raise his ceiling too, right? For for what would be to come after this coming season. So now for the news that dropped just today. We're recording this on Wednesday, November the 5th. Darren Sawatsky... The coach oh, of you FC said Tucson. So now I know how to say his last name. Uh, yeah, I'm it's, it's yeah, Sawatsky. So I actually interviewed him on this show earlier this season. You can go back and listen to that one. So um, And so Darren Sawatsky, I'm just going to keep on saying it because it's the one name that I, <laughs> I'm pretty confident in how to pronounce it. Uh, <laughs> the former coach of FC Tucson was named the Richmond Kickers sporting director and head coach. So uh, let, let me just go a little bit through his bio. So he used to work, for, uh, he was, uh, played in Major League Soccer as well as in the USL back in the, in the 90s and early 2000s. He was the uh, uh, coach for the Seattle Sounders Academy. He coached all the way up to their U23s, which were the college kids who played in the PDL. Uh, he was also the director of coaching for Seattle. Uh, he took, had a brief stint as the uh, uh, coach of the national team of Guam. That's where Dallas J from Greenville Triumph plays and uh um you know just just recently you know a guy who's going to the mls cup final seattle sounders coach brian Schmetzer said he had very nice things to say about darren so i, I suggest you go to the the press release and and the news on either the kicker site or uslleague1.com and you'll be able to see uh s- some comments that Schmetzer made um you know now uh, so first I want to just say that, that now Tucson is going to be one of the teams, is one of the teams looking for a new head coach along with the Chattanooga Red Wolves and, uh, and, and one or two other teams perhaps um, in, in for, for this year. But let's talk about what Darren maybe brings to the kickers. So, Elliot, your first initial reaction when you saw Darren Swatsky was going to be your coach.
1: Um, I was shocked. <laughs> I generally shocked. Because, I I mean, for all those who follow our podcast on Twitter knows that I was all in on Nate Miller. Like, I was like, get Nate Miller in bring him in. You don't have to pay any kind of fee. I mean, and this is no disrespect toward the kickers, but let, let's be real. Like, the kickers, I never imagined them being a team that would be like, hey, we're going to pay this fee to get this coach. I thought we were going to get the coach as A, coming up through the Richmond system – that it was gonna be my uh, Micah, our assistant head coach from last year, or I thought it was gonna be a coach from off the screen or someone that was just fired. I didn't think Richmond was gonna like pull this out of that hat. And I, I I ain't gonna lie, I gotta tip my head in the back spear because in our podcast that we did right after Coach Bilo was let go, um I said that if the kickers are going to break in a coach, you got to break in a coach that one knows how to work with talent, that knows the landscape of of league one, that has great connections to uh, youth academies and the college system. And, you know, he he pretty much checks off all three boxes. I mean, coach at FC Tucson, he, he's he been great in the youth academy. He has connections to the college and youth academies around America. Like this guy helped develop DeAndre Yellen and Jordan Morrison, you know, two great players facing down. The song is one that is now at Newcastle United playing in the Premier League, you know, so it, it, it speaks for itself. And he also was the head coach of a team at FC Tucson that I think got plagued a lot by Phoenix Rising and the revolving door going on down there about how players were getting called call up and what kind of led to their inconsistencies. Um. So I'm very interested to see how this goes. But I, I was generally shocked when the that was coming because I thought it was going to be like, season tickets are coming out or like, Something else, I don't know, but I wasn't expecting
0: a head coach so soon. Yeah, so, <coughs> so yeah, it, it definitely they didn't waste a lot of time doing the search. Um, you know, I heard rumors that they interviewed a, a few different people, at least uh, at least informally on the phone. So uh, on November the fifteenth, there's going to be a press conference where uh, where Darren will be there to ask questions. Um, in in that press conference, I hope one of the questions that they ask is like what you mentioned, Elliot, is concerns. Now you have you get to make your own team. You get to choose the squad. You get to choose who's in your match day squad. You're not getting that order from above like you were at FC Tucson, where Phoenix Rising was saying, "Hey, we're sending you one of our backup center backs who didn't play this weekend. You have to play him," and you don't have that revolving door. So, um, so I, I hope someone asked him about what it's going to be like uh, being the sporting director as well as uh, just coaching a group of guys that you don't <coughs> necessarily have control over the roster. I think that that'll, that'll be interesting. He, so earlier in the season, FC Tucson, FC Tucson's kind of um, had a progression in the, their style of play. So for the first, Call it half, maybe sixty percent of the season. They did play very much counterattacking. They, you know, tried to find the balls in the channel. They had two speedy wingers in particular, one in particular on the left-hand side, and um, and they would try to get the ball to that winger or um, uh, you know have a very a very high low block. So they would they would basically have a line of confrontation about midfield, not and and tried to get in behind after they won the ball, and the evolution became much more possession later in the year. Do you, you know, the, the possession, uh, the possession attempt that Coach Bulo had tried this past year didn't didn't come off so well, <laughs> at least not an execution, even though it may have been uh, it may have been a, a fine style as, you know, as uh, North Texas showed. Do you have a preference as to how you think, you know, Darren should you know, kind of set up the team, particularly knowing that, you know, you have a lot of. Of players that we know already we know probably what's going to be at least half the squad uh has already uh has already been signed
1: yeah um i think i think if, we, if i had to ask coach Darren. by the way we're going to interview uh coach darren said i hope i said that right
0: savaski
1: savaski Um uh, monday <clears throat> my bad we're going to interview on Monday on River City ninety three. Um, so this is definitely one of the questions that we're going to ask about. You know what his his preferred playing style. You know how we saw at the beginning of the year. SC two was known as a team that would. I wouldn't want to say sit in a low block. They kind of sit in a mid block. but They were very very quick to go counter attacking, and then later on the year we saw more of the possession type style and the build up play. Why was it change the style of that? And you know what is he looking to do enrichment? I think the smart thing to do enrichment is. Go with that counter-attacking system Um, because you have players up top. You have players up top that are quicker on the ball, and I think a counter-attacking system works better with younger players. You know, it couldn't work with if we kept on to uh, Jackson and Chen and older players like that. I think a possession style system would probably work better for them, but you know, they're not part of the roster right now. So, yeah, using you have. And I think a counter Texas work better. And I think most of the fans wants to see that. They want to see more of the high pressing. I mean, there's been a lot of buzzwords thrown around about better um, style of play and things like that. When you hear those kind of words, to me, that means more of we're putting the foot on the gas pedal. We're going 100 miles per hour. If we lose a game 4-3 or, or we win a game 3-2, it's going to happen regardless. So, I think as long as, and I mean, granted, he's had a full year to figure out what works for which team and what works against which team. And I think with him coming out of now, I think that might work.
0: I'm curious as to uh, as to also how much um, how much input he had on which players to re-sign, or if that was something that was done, you know, prior to him being chosen, or or maybe if a, a number of the potential candidates were, were asked like which players would you would you keep, and then you know a number of them were kept. So so that'll be really interesting to find out like what where in the process he was when uh, uh, when these other players were re-signed. So um, so you know overall overall thoughts elliot about you know both of these things together or uh, you know how 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 excited are you because one of the things that we talked about partway through the season when especially after you didn't have a you know such a great uh, a great early summer was, you know, will the chemistry build among these players? And it did seem to in the latter part of the season. Um, but, you know, now, now a new coach coming in, will that chemistry kind of be broken up a little bit because of the new coach? Or, um, you know, obviously you said that Coach Swatsky, um ticks a lot of the boxes for you. Um, but, you know, how, how excited do you think the overall fan base will be with, you know, both the signings and uh, uh, as well as the new coach?
1: For what I can see so far, I'm checking out on Twitter and Facebook and in the supporters group. Uh, it's been generally positive. There are the little concerns about why did we let go of Bulo to sign a coach that finished one point above. And, you know, granted, I was in that same Camp. My whole thinking of it is the kickers are not going to be the team to go out here and spend massive money on players like your Louisville's or your FC Cincinnati when they was in the USO championship. And – we haven't been an attractive destination winning wise in three or four years. So what you need is you need a coach that, like I said, that knows how to work with the youth Academy that can pull players up. that can be a talent identifier that has connections to the college community and youth academies, tie that all in together and also produce the product on the field. And I believe that he ticks those boxes. Um, You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit back and wait and watch and see how the first five or so games go underneath them. Definitely in preseason, um, you know, what's the style of play? What what are the tendencies looking like? You know, are players out there looking confused, not knowing what's really going on, not knowing what's being asked of them, or are they automatically knowing, taking that next step and thinking a level ahead? um, You know, what's being asked of them?
0: So Elliot, um, any, any last thoughts that you might have on, uh, you know, and just, you know, everything going on. Like I know, um, you know, I know, I know the team has, you know, season tickets for sale and, and, uh, you know, there, there are some plans on, um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, trying to wait to figure out when they're going to do reno- some renovations to city stadium and stuff. Yeah. So any, any final thoughts on the team before we, uh, be- before we move out?
1: Oh, um. I mean, just be interested to see. I think this year, of course, is the 25th anniversary of the U.S. Open Cup, so it's gonna be interesting to see how the team prioritizes U.S. Open Cup. Um, but yeah, it's it's gonna be an interesting year. I, I'm kind of interested now to see, you know, do any Phoenix Rising or FC Tucson players that you know didn't resign, do they come to Richmond and make the journey out east? It's gonna be interesting to see.
0: I would imagine you you might get some players that like aren't quite Phoenix Rising quality, but have. Uh um but like darren so that that'll be a, yeah that, that's a good point that'll be really interesting to see if there's another couple of signings that we wind up hearing about over the next couple of months though so, um i know um you know contracts run through the end of november so i think in december you'll start to you know hear about some people who maybe didn't get re-signed or or whose options weren't picked up by some teams and uh, and it'll you know d- december and early january will probably be a really interesting time for filling out the rest of the roster yeah, so with that, Elliot, Elliot, where can people connect with you?
1: Oh, uh, you can follow the podcast at River City Ninety Three on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, right now, it's kind of like our off season, so we're not producing episodes as much, besides the one we're doing on Monday. And you can follow me personally at uh, Yogi McLevin on on Twitter and my co-host, Senior Durant II. I get in trouble if I don't say his full name. <laughs> um, you
0: can follow him at cdeuce34. Uh, cdeuce34. And I can be found at Ira Jersey on Twitter. And you can connect with the show at League One. That's league and the number one fun. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And check out bgn.fm for other great soccer podcasts and written content covering USL League One, USL Championship, USL League Two, NWSL, Major League Soccer, and much more. Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. Get your custom scarves to your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Until next time, thank you very much, Elliot Barr. Jason, I hope you're okay. And of course, (laughs) hashtag support local soccer.
1: Home sweet soccer. We need them back on Twitter for the spicy takes.